It has awoken some things in you, maybe even challenged you. I know, um, I know as a former teacher uh, that you never know things um, as well as you do until you teach them. Um, and and I'm, so I'm learning. I hope, I hope you guys know this all the time, but I want to really express this this morning is I'm, I'm learning uh, with you guys. And some of these things are incredibly challenged. If we, challenging. If you, if you look at the life of Jesus um, and, and then our call to be like him, um, it is a great call. Uh, it is a great call. It, it's not always easy. Uh, if, we, if we feel like that's what Christianity is, uh, I just think we're reading another gospel because Jesus' life wasn't always easy. Uh, matter of fact, he had to give up everything, um, and he did that by choice, and so he's calling us to do the same thing, and uh, there's a great reward in that, and that's to know Jesus and to know the, the goodness and the hope that's found in him. Uh, and then, not only that, is as we, uh, as we do that, and we get to know him more, and how many of you guys know it's a lifelong process? right, of becoming more like him. Uh, I have not nailed that yet completely, uh, but, but we're becoming more like him. And uh, through his grace and mercy that, that we do that. It's so amazing. And so I just wanted to say, like, God is so good. Uh, the last 18 months, they've been different, uh, but they have been good. And um, so we just, I just thank you guys for being a part, and, um, and we're just going to continue uh, to press on in what God is calling us to do. And in this, in this series, um, wow, I mean, we've talked about uh, neuropathways, habit forming. Uh, we've talked about uh, following Jesus and how following Jesus in, in every day and making a determination to do that, that it actually changes uh, the little folds in our uh, cerebral cortex. It gives us new neurological pathways, and God has designed it that way. And so we've talked about that. We've talked about the practices of silence, uh, simplicity, solitude, and learning to how to implement those things in, in a culture of hurry. Uh, and uh, we are constantly bombarded by go, go, go up and to the right, uh, growth, growth, growth. And I think Dallas Willard, I think I said this to you guys, said, you know, um, we shouldn't start, we should stop counting the number of people in the building on Sunday morning and start weighing them. How much do they weigh spiritually? Um, yeah, don't, this isn't like a dietitian thing that I'm doing up here. All right. Here's like, don't weigh me. Um, and so I just want to encourage you all this morning. We're going to dive into this third section of this series. So we've gone from habits to practices, right? This neurological retraining, this habits that can, can really, that aren't, that are not ends in of themselves. They're ends to the mean. The mean is Christ. And so, and today I just want to open up this third part of the series with um, truth. And, and what is it? All right. 
And so I just, uh, again, would you stand with me? We're going to pray this psalm like we've been doing this entire series. Psalm 25, 4, and 5. Uh, and uh, let's pray this. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Amen. You can be seated. And so the Jesus way, that's being an apprentice to Jesus. It's not just cognitively knowing about who Jesus is. You know, you've heard the line probably before if you spent any time in church. Hey, uh, the devil and the demons know who Jesus is. All right? It's being in a relationship that changes everything. And so not just knowing who he is, but, but practicing the way of Jesus or the Jesus way. And so I want to start off with a couple combinations today of statements. All right? And maybe you've said these before in your life, and, and uh, well, we'll just see. I want to save for retirement. I also want to buy a new car. I want to take my wife on a date. I also want to buy a new pickleball paddle. <laughs> That's for somebody else in the room. I just want to, all right. Um, I want to take my family on vacation. I want to pay more on my mortgage so I can pay it off early. I want perfect abs. But I want all those cookies. I want to give my time to kingdom purposes. I want to relax and have plenty of me time. And I don't know about you all, but um, I'm pulled in so many directions, aren't you? Right? So many directions. And how many times a day? Multiple times for you guys? Is it multiple times? Just multiple times for me? Multiple times a day, right? And so these decisions back and forth. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Are we not going to do this? You know? And, and we make all these decisions. And I think what we lack sometimes is this base level truth about who Jesus is. Right? Truth. Now, I want to I say this. Jesus was serious in Matthew 6 when he said, don't worry about the clothes, about the money. He was serious, all right? Now, what does that mean? Jesus is saying, don't save for retirement. No, Jesus is not. I don't think that. Jesus is saying, you will not have a Mercedes. I, you know, I don't think that either. Or you will not have a Toyota Corolla, all right? Represent, all right? And I don't think he's saying that, but he's serious when he says, how are you holding on to those things, right? Are, are, they, are they, even your family and friends, are you holding so tight to them that they can't breathe, that you couldn't say, God, my, my kids, they're yours. Have your way in their life. I trust you with them. That doesn't mean that I sit back on the couch and never parent my kids, all right? God, I trust you, um, you know, with funds, okay? That doesn't mean that I don't save, all right? And so how much are we holding on to this stuff? Okay, if you, and let me tell you, my Toyota Corolla, I mean, it's a nice car. It's a 2020, baby, 
it's got air, car play. I mean, I don't mean to sit up here and brag, but I mean, I mean, but I think about, but I do think about a worldwide scene, and I think my car is like a luxury car, you know? And so, and it's, it's how much are we holding on to this stuff? How much are we giving to this? Um, and so Jesus was serious because here's, again, we knew he was serious because he didn't just talk about it. He lived it out. You know, he says, listen, um, kings, they have places to sleep, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Right? So he trusted in God in everything. And even being the Son of God, Jesus didn't grasp for that, as in Philippians it says, he didn't grasp for that as some kind of thing to hold on to. Right? What did Jesus do? Well, he came and gave his life for us that we could enter into his presence. And we learned a couple weeks ago um, that really what it looks like is to be radically dependent on God and radically obedient to God. That's really the simplicity of our faith is this. When God calls us to do things that we need to be radically dependent on him, and I just want to put a clue out there for you. He's the only one that we should be dependent on. All right? Everything else should be interdependence. Living within a community, like a faith community, we're interdependent. We're not dependent on one another. I hope to God above, seriously, that you are not, your faith isn't dependent on me. I hope there's an interdependence there where, we're, where there's give and take. Right? I encourage you. You encourage me. You know, I hold you up sometimes. You hold me up sometimes. And so this interdependence uh, in, in the faith. So we're, we're fully dependent on God. We're radically obedient to God. Jesus, I mean, perfect a picture of radical obedience is Jesus in the garden saying, Lord, if, if, this, is, if this is your will... For me to go through with this, to, to go and die on the cross, God, I want to do what you're calling me to do. I want to be radically obedient. But I love Jesus. But if it's your will, if there's no other way, then, then, then do that. And so he's radically obedient unto death on a cross. And because God has a plan, right? And what we, what we see is this, that things that are buried... All right? They come alive. Things have to die in order to come alive. Look at a seed. And we've talked about this before. What, how big is a sequoia seed? How big would you think a sequoia seed is? I, don't, I, would, I would think a sequoia seed was like the size of this subwoofer over here, right? Wouldn't you think that? Like it's got, it's, no, it's just small. But this massive thing comes out of it. And so, and in order to do that, it has to die. It has to be buried. It has to receive nutrients. And I believe this with all of my heart, that God is calling each of us to die. A little heavy, Andy. Okay? I don't mean physical, like, death. We're all going to die one day. I mean die to ourselves. Right? Like Jesus did, he said, you know, hey, if, if you want to do this, God, and this is the way you want to do it, I, I, am, 
I am down for it. Because I want your will to be done, not mine. And I believe that God is calling us to that kind of obedience. And then we talked about, you know, those, those personal finances, those personal things that we hold on to. We put an emphasis on personal, right? That's my stuff. Don't mess with it, all right? And so last week we talked about that. And so the question this week I want to ask, and this is just going to be a, a brief intro into the next several weeks, is this. How do we practice truth in an age of self? How do we act, practice truth in an age of self? And I just want to tell you, I'm not going to answer this question today in full. There's no way to. We'd be here for a while. But my hope is over the next few weeks is to delve into the depths of postmodern culture at this moment. And you might be thinking, I've heard that. I don't know what that means. I'm going to tell you what that means in a moment. Postmodern culture. Over the next several weeks, we'll cover historical context and current relevance of biblical teaching. I just want to say up front, the Bible is the truth, all right? It's the Word of God, and it's for real, and it's applicable today, and it will be applicable tomorrow, just as it was years ago. Yes, does the Bible, and was it written in a context? Yes, all right? So, what, and it's, it's actually historical stuff. It really happened. Uh, the Bible I just want to say, is not a fairy tale. It's real deal. All right? And so we're going to explore that. And we're going to talk about the relevance of biblical teachings. And then what I want to explore and kind of end this series with is, okay, well, if all those things are, are true, then, then what's the path forward in the Jesus way? And so we're going to move intentionally at an intentionally slow pace through these things, because I don't want us to miss anything. I believe that there's treasure here, and I don't know about you guys, if you've been on maybe, let's talk about an Easter egg hunt, how you're just like, you're going, right? But you're looking for the golden egg, but you're going at a pace where you're not going to find it, right? Where is it? Slow down a little bit. There's treasure. If we learn to slow, if we learn to be at an unhurried pace, right, we get to see more things. The perfect example for me is Publix, okay? If I'm going to Publix, I get a text from Jen. Jen says, pick up X, Y, and Z. I'm going. Don't, don't call me and tell me because I'm going to forget Z, all right? Text me the items specific, please, if it's like this tomato paste. I don't know what you want, okay? Boom, I'm there. Not that fast, okay? The real pattern is, where the heck is this thing? All right? I have to find somebody, okay? But I'm going. Now, if I slow down, though, what I notice is, and I look up, how long's that ceiling been there? Did they remodel the whole thing around here? It's insane, in my mind, it was looking like it was 1994. I went, <laughs> it's all remodeled because I haven't slowed down enough. And this is throughout life. 
Think about going on an interstate versus a back road. How much more do you see on back roads? Yes, it's going to take you longer to get there, all right? I love when we go on vacation and we're like, go, go, go! And I'm saying, slow, slow, slow. Who cares? The extra two hours. I know it's easier to say. I got a friend, Jake and Lindsay. They have small kids. It's interstate. Let's get there, okay? I have a little bit older kids. Uh, Let's slow down a little bit. Oh, you want to stop by this place that looks like, you know, a crack pot and eat there because they have good barbecue? Let's do it, all right? And so, anyways, all that to say, we're going to go slow through this. So let's settle in. And here's what I want to encourage you. Let's hear what the Holy Spirit would say to each of us. What he would say to us then as a community of believers Uh, And let's live out the unique calling that Jesus Christ has on each of our lives. Because here's what I want to say first is, as a follower of Christ, you identify first as a follower of Jesus and then everything else, all right? Our identity is found in Christ, Right? And so this is going to require us to be, this is each of us to be vulnerable before Christ. It's going to require that we're vulnerable before one another. And so we're just going to dive in. And so I want to start with a very short verse, John 14, 6. It says this. This is Jesus talking. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I didn't write this. Jesus said this. Right? I'm going to read it again. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, Jesus is making an incredible truth claim here. Right? Because he is saying... Uh, this, this is of great magnitude. Jesus is saying, I'm it. You want to go to the Father, who is God, then you come through me. And here's what it is. is this this is, a, is a statement of truth that has a great magnitude because I believe this is the basis of where we start. This one sentence, I believe this, it changes everything. All right? And he says that, uh, you know, he's it. This is the thing. I'm it. He's not saying this. He is not saying, or he is saying this. Um, I don't point to the way to God. I am the way. I don't just teach you truth about God. I am the truth. I'm not another avenue to life. I am life. And to get to the Father, you must come through me. Now, the first thing that we can notice is that this truth claim is very exclusive, right? Jesus is saying, I'm it. I'm the one. I'm the way. And it's bold, and especially to postmodern ears. And I want to expound on that a little bit so we'll know exactly what we're talking about. And it's even more bold in a secular society 
um, as John Mark Comer puts it, in a secular society uh, that attempts to live as if there is no God. And I want to just uh, go ahead and relieve you of some stuff. America um, is not a Christian nation. What? All right. Uh, It's not. Okay. Does it have great Christian heritage and great Christian uh, values? Yes. At one point it did. All right. It has never been just this Christian state, though. All right. We've never had what what, uh, Muslims would call Sharia law. We haven't had Christian law where it just rules and it reigns, okay? There's been greater influences uh, in modern society, actually. We, we were, um, we kind of had a, had a north, if you would. We had a foundation. Uh, we believed similar things. We believed that, um, we believed things about marriage, that it was between a man uh, and a woman. And these are based on biblical teachings. And so what we have here and what we've moved into is postmodernism. And postmodern society operates like this. It operates as if there is no universal truth, right? There's no universal truth. There's no set of moral norms by which to guide your life. Um, And some postmodernists who are more extreme would even say, that universal truths and moral norms such as found in the Bible are oppressive. And so that's where we're at. And this is where we get sayings like this, live your truth, right? And so there is no overarching capital T truth. There's just your truth. And you get to make that up. And it really is based on feelings, all right? And so we get to do that. We get to make up our truth. Now, as followers of Jesus, what we understand is that we come under the authority of Jesus and that his teaching is the truth, that it's the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what we base our lives off of. And so over the next week, what we're going to interact with is, is wow, then there's this, there's this major rub then with society, Like, we can see that because Jesus said he is the truth. Like, you can't just make up truth. If he's the truth, you can't just make up truth. And in John 8, uh, 31, 32, he says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You will know me, and I will set you free. Now, here's what I would love to challenge you with. Is, are we living out the gospel truth? That's just a question that I want to ask. Because here's what happens, I believe, over time. Is, we strive to be so relevant that we can walk away from the truth of the gospel. Uh, and I just want to, the truth of the gospel is, would be very opposed to postmodern thinking. 
the truth of the gospel is very opposed to what we would call secular society, all right? And we can't just write it off like, oh, man, it's just, yeah, but, we, but you don't understand. I want to be, be a follower of Christ, but I want to be completely relevant to the culture. Okay, I, I would love, and this is just a challenge, I'm not being sarcastic, is I would love for you to go through the history of the church and see how relevant the church was. I'll give you a, a thing. They weren't. And when they started to become relevant, they, didn't be, they weren't the church anymore. So the church, now here's what I want to encourage you with this. The church is also not on the street corner yelling at people and telling them they're going to hell and that God hates them. All right? Uh, I would equally say that is not the church. All right? Jesus, to my knowledge, met people where they were, loved them, and said something like this after he would have an interaction with them and said, hey, uh, go and sin no more. So he recognized the sin, but he loved them first. And so I just want to, as of the next weeks, I just want you to put your bootstraps on. You are going to be offended at some point. I might even offend myself from up here, all right? And that's okay. And what I would encourage you with is um, in your offense, like there's space for that, and it's fine. But what I would encourage you with, I just love to talk to you about the offense and how it's offending you. And then let's just talk, right? I believe that we're, we're, we're big enough to say, you know, I, that to, what you said there, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. That's cool. I'm not asking you to be like, hey, uh, drink the Kool-Aid. I'm asking you, hey, let's do this thing. Let's, let's research together. Let's look at our society. Let's look at who we're called to be within our society. And, and this, here's what I know. They will know you by your love, right? <laughs> and that's what, we're, that's what we're called to be. So over these next several weeks, what I wanna, the question that I want to ask is, again, all right, how do we practice truth in an age of self? And when I say an age of self, that means that, that we get to make up the truth on the spot, all right? And one of those things I, I want to, just an example of what that would look like would be something like, you know, Women's rights. I love it. I mean, I have four daughters. Okay? I think it's amazing. All right? And I greatly value them. And, and there's, a, you know, the, there's this movement for, for, hey, women are like people. Don't treat them like dogs. Couldn't agree more. But at the same time this message is happening... You know, there's a series, Fifty Shades of Grey, that's selling like crazy, where women are being treated horribly. But in a postmodern culture, we get to make up our own truth. And so what we see in a postmodern culture is that truth kind of goes like this, right? Oh, yeah, there's this, but yeah, there's this. There's this, and there's highs and lows. And so what does the truth of Jesus look like? And then I want to ask this question and answer it over the next several weeks. And what I would encourage you with just to prepare you, read through John 8. 
That's what you can do, be doing over the next several weeks. Read through Galatians 5. And those, those will prepare you for these messages. But the question is this. Are we living out the truth of the gospel in such a way that, that we are allowing it to permeate our very souls? That means the deepest part of who we are. And then subsequently allow the Holy Spirit to lead our decision-making. Those things that we talked about earlier, I want to save, but I want to spend. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us? And then I want to challenge us with this. It isn't about waking up in the morning and, you know, I had my quiet time. All right? That's fantastic. If you're doing that, I highly encourage it. All right? I highly encourage being in the Word of God. But there's more. Then it's, am I living that out? Because then at the end of the day, you're asking the question, did I live out what you're calling me to do, Jesus? All right? You're not saying, Jesus, will you heap some guilt on me because I missed an opportunity? You're just saying, am I open to hear from God about the things I did well and the things that I could have done better? And so, because here's what I believe. The church is to be a dynamic voice in culture. Not part of the culture. I believe it's supposed to be counterculture. We will always be counterculture. That's just the nature of the church. But how are we approaching that? And are we approaching it in the Jesus way? Every decision, believe this or not, that Jesus made was informed by the Father. And so that's my challenge to us even this week. As last week, we said, hey, when you leave here, would you take a, just a moment and, and look around and, and just recognize the goodness of God, right? I don't know how many of you did that. Don't raise your hand if you did or didn't. But we're going to just look around. How good is God? Well, this week, I, I just want to challenge you with this. How am I living out the gospel truth in my own life? and through the decisions that I make. And again, as we close here, I just think this, okay? God is not Thor. They're having so much fun. Can you guys wait to get out there? I'm going to wait until it's about 70, okay, 76. It's a little warm out in jeans right now. Um, but, but the truth is this. Are we living this stuff out, all right? And so I want to encourage you, God is not Thor in heaven, he does not have a big mallet. He is not waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can bop you. All right? He loves you. He cares for you. And he wants you to live a life that is reflective of Jesus. And there will be terribly hard decisions that you have to make. That as you rely more on Jesus and become more obedient on him, they will be easier and easier to make. Because remember, Jesus' yoke is easy. All right? And so stand with me. God, I just pray that you would, as we leave here, that you would be with us. You actually are with us. Help us to recognize your presence. And so as we leave here, we're not just leaving a church building. We're going on mission. And so, Father, I pray that we would be on mission for you the things that you're calling us to do, we would do those things, nothing more, nothing less. 
God, help us to examine our lives. Help us to put our lives before you like that song said. God, I'm giving you everything. All the dreams that I have, everything that I have is yours. I want to lay it down at your feet. And then I want you to do with me what you're calling me to do. And I I just pray as we leave here today that that would really be our heart song, God. That that we would leave here on mission just to to be used by you in the things that you're calling us to. And so, God, I just thank you for the opportunity to worship with these people today. I pray that you would be with them. God, strengthen them. Help them to be more like you. Help us all to be more like you as we leave here today, that we would leave on mission. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.